Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Saints, happy Sunday. This is Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher of Learning Bible Truth. Now, we were supposed to embark on episode three today. However, I am skipping episode three and go directly to episode four, which means we only have two episodes left. Episode four and five. Reason being is because I listened to episode three yesterday and notice that the Apostle Price digressed the entire hour to basically scold his church on a personal issue, something I thought should not have been on tape, but he did. And I listened to the entire event and I understand why he did it. He was talking about uh, the priorities in church and how they have to get back to prioritizing the mission of the church. So. I decided to skip directly to episode four. Now, he talks about it a little bit in episode four. He digressed initially, but then he eventually will get back to the lesson at hand, which is the prayer of faith. So before we begin, remember we're starting off every episode with a prayer. Every head bowed, all eyes closed. Heavenly Father, before we go forth with this message, I ask that you open the minds of the listeners, open the minds to understand this message, open their hearts to believe and receive. Your word never goes forth and returns to you void. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your unconditional love. In the name of Jesus, amen. So saints, sit back and enjoy. Now, uh, let's turn to the book of James, chapter 5th. James, chapter 5, and we'll read one verse that is sort of the diving board, if you would, that we'll dive off of to get to what we want to talk about. James chapter 5 and one verse, verse 15. It says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, I just want to extract from that verse the first several words that serve as our lesson title. It says, and the prayer of faith. So, we taught a series recently, prayer and how to do it. Then we moved next to the prayer of faith. And I wanted to read that verse so that we would have a background for the question that I want to deal with or the aspect of the teaching that I want to deal with which is the prayer of faith he said the prayer of faith shall save the sick now we're not not we're not dealing with the sick right now but just with that phrase the prayer of faith what is that see the prayer of faith we want to find out what that is 
Now, put your machine on pause, and I want to just add an addendum to what we talked about last time, very, very briefly, but just to sort of solidify and epitomize everything that I said last time. So go now to Acts chapter 4. I asked the question, why are you here? This is the section I was talking about, saints, where he's going to digress and, and talk a little bit about what he shared with his congregation last week. And then he will eventually get back to the lesson at hand. We talked last time about purposes, a purpose for why we come. Why do we why do we come? What's it all about? You hear the choir? And so I, I we looked at a passage of scripture in the eighth chapter of Acts where it talked about that that a great persecution arose against the church that was at Jerusalem. And the believers were scattered abroad except, anybody remember that? Except the apostles. So that means that the apostles stayed, everybody else was scattered. And then we read what those scattered ones did. They went everywhere preaching the word. The believers did. Not the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The believers. They went everywhere. So everywhere would mean at the job, when it's appropriate, you know, we understand. At the mall, at school, where, you know, everywhere, right? Now I want to just give you one, one more, actually two verses of Scripture that would just help to solidify what we talked about last time so that you can see and be able to truly answer, why are you here? And what is it I'm doing? What is this that I'm doing? What is it about, in other words? What's, the, what's his purpose? All right, Acts chapter 4. Uh, look at the 23rd verse, Acts 4.23. That in being let go, that the apostles, Peter and John and them, they had been taken into custody by the religious leaders. Now they were let go. It says, and being let go, verse 23, they went to their own company, or companions, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage, and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. How? Verse 30. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now watch this. Look at verse 30. Actually, verse 29 and 30. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they and grant to your servants that with all boldness 
they and grant to your servants that they may speak your word with boldness. Then they ask God to do that for them. And so they said, they gave instructions to God as to how he was to do this. They said, by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Why are you here? Now, let's see, number one, if God answered that prayer, and number two, how did he answer that prayer? What you doing here today? Why are you here? Okay, chapter 5. Now, now, let me go back and read verse 30 again. By stretching out your hand to heal. By, by, give us boldness. We're asking you to give us boldness by stretching out your hand to heal. Now, let's see, number one, did he answer the prayer? And then number two, how did he answer the prayer? Why are you here? Okay, chapter 5, <laughs> verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And through the hands of the apostles, wait a minute, they prayed and asked God to do it by stretching out his hand. Then it tells us that through the hands of the apostles, it should have been, it seems reasonable, that, that the prayer would have been answered and, and that it would have said, and through the hands of God, many signs and wonders, because that's what they prayed. They said they wanted the signs and wonders by stretching out your hand to heal. But why are you here? Remember, there are no sick folk in heaven. There are no sick in heaven, no, no bound in heaven. All the captives are being held here. But God is not here, but his representatives are. The church are. The Christians are. We are. They said, Lord, grant us with all boldness by stretching out your hand to heal. But here it says, and through the hands of the apostles. Meaning, through the hands of the believers. That's why you're here. So that you can get information and anointing so that God can stretch out His hands to heal and deliver through the hands that are in the body of Christ. That's how you got to do it. He has no other hands but the hands that are in the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, raise your right hand and repeat after me. This hand is the hand of God in the earth realm. God has no other hand than this hand that's in the body of Christ. My hand is God's hand in the earth. Why? Are, what you doing here? All right, let's move on with our lesson.
I just want to put that little addendum there, finish it off. Praise the Lord. Now, James said the prayer of faith. We want to find out what is it. Well, go to Mark chapter 11, verse 24. We looked at this before. I'm not even going to comment on it. it just very briefly, just to make contact with it. Then we're going to move on to some areas that we didn't talk about before. But Mark 11:24 is the prayer of faith. Jesus is speaking in the 24th verse. He said, Therefore I say to you, now I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The traditional says, What things soever you desire, ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. So the prayer of faith is simply believing that I receive when I pray. Believing that I receive when I pray. Even in the faith of being unable to see with the senses what I have prayed for. Now go to Hebrews 11. Because that's actually where we <laughs> left off in the previous lesson. I think what we're going to do one, one Sunday, maybe, 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 I have to, I have to meditate on this. One Sunday, the lesson will be, maybe, that we'll come and gather here and we'll have the choir sing a song to get us really you know, tuned up. You know, I just watched the reaction of people's different songs. I mean, one song, everybody, almost everybody was standing up. Then the next song, they nobody stood up. I know different kind of songs, but but what we'll do, we'll get it, we'll get all, we'll get all inspired, and then the lesson will be that we will go out of the gates of. Wait till I finish you clapping. You ain't going to do squat. Wait till I finish. <laughs> Hallelujah. But what we're going to do, I, I think it would, it would be the biggest news story in L.A.'s history. We will go out of these gates and we will converge on the neighborhood, northeast, south, and west, right from the faith dome here, and we'll go out and knock on every door, pray for every sick folk or every sick person we find in anybody's house, minister the word of God to them, and see what happens. He ain't going to do that. That would be interesting. Man, I bet that'd be all on the news. I mean, we would... It, we would... I mean, it would inundate the neighborhood. I mean, droves of people at every door. And there's so many of us, you wouldn't have to knock on... Each individual wouldn't have to knock on that many doors, you know. Well, we just we read it last time. It said that a great persecution arose against the church at Jerusalem, and all of the believers were scattered abroad. So we need to be scattered abroad from the dome. You know, Frederick, that didn't go over too well. See, I told you when you told me to say that that was not a good idea. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, you got it? All right. Mark eleven twenty four is an example of the prayer of faith or petition, petition prayer. Now, Jesus said, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Therefore, that's dealing with unseen things. You have to believe that you have something that you don't even see. And it's believing that you have it 
that causes it to come. Now watch this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, very familiar. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, evidence of, the evidence of, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance. Now faith is the substance. Now faith is the substance. It doesn't say faith was the substance. That would be past tense. It doesn't say faith will be the substance. That would be future tense. But it says that faith is and is can only be present tense, which translates out to N-O-W now, which is actually the same as W-H-E-N. <laughs> N-O-W is the same as W-H-E-N. in reference to the prayer of faith. Now, why do I say that? Because it sounds certainly grammatically incorrect. But no, we just read it, and I just quoted it. Jesus said, What things soever ye desire, when? <laughs> what things soever ye desire, when? What things soever ye desire, when you pray? Now faith is. So in OW, in reference to the prayer of faith, is the same as W-H-E-N. Perfect grammar. <laughs> because Jesus said, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray. So, when would when ye pray be? There it is. In O.W. Now. Wouldn't it? If I asked if I asked this gentleman, sir, would you please offer prayer over the congregation right now, tomorrow? <laughs> then that wouldn't be now, would it? Tomorrow. Yesterday. Past. Tomorrow. Future. Now. Present tense. So, in in reference to, understand how I'm saying this now. See, I, I'm interested in getting a point across, okay? I know I wouldn't make a good grade in English. I believe in good English to the extent that good English will provide me with eternal life. But if I have to take a choice between life and English, i got to go with the life. But in reference to the prayer of faith, now is the same thing as W-H-E-N. When? Because Jesus said, what things whatever you desire, when you pray. So when is when you pray? Whenever you pray. Whenever. And whenever you pray is always present tense. It's always now. So it goes right along with Hebrews 11.1 1, because it says, now. Now. Now faith is. So when you pray is now. Present tense. So when and now, in reference to the prayer of faith, they're synonymous. What things whoever you desire, when you pray. Well, whenever you pray, has to be now. Right? Okay. He says, now faith is the substance. What is substance? Substance is tangibility. Materiality. Can you agree with that? Let me let me give you a definition. See if you can see if you can go along with this. Substance is that which can be contacted with your senses. Can we use that as a working definition? Substance is that which can be contacted with my senses. In other words, it impacts 
upon the sensory perceptors that are located in my physical body. That's how I ascertain the universe around me, is through the perceptors in my body. Eyes, nose, tongue, ears, digitals, fingers, hands, touch. Okay, can you agree with that? So now, now faith is the substance. Now, its substance is tangibility or materiality. Its substance is that which can be contacted by my senses. Then substance in this case, in reference to faith, even though unseen, must be something. It must be something. Even though I can't see it, because see, it said that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. I have a hope. I, I hope for something. But that something that I hope for has no substance to it. Because it's in the hope stage. Hope doesn't have anything that your senses can ever contact. Hope is a goal setter. Hope simply points to a goal. But it's nothing by itself. Now, you got to have hope. Like the song says, miles and miles and miles of hope. <laughs> If any of you remember that song. you got to have hope. Hope will keep you alive. Hope will keep you moving forward. But hope will never, ever change your circumstances. As long as it remains only hope. It's good. It's necessary. It has its place. But it only sets the goal. I have to have some way to obtain the goal. I have to have a way to contact that goal. So, faith is the substance of the thing that I hope for. In other words, faith then becomes, and you get the chance to see how important it is, faith becomes the tangibility, faith itself becomes the materiality of things that I hope for. So hope by itself doesn't have any substance. You've got to have hope. It's good to have hope. But hope will never change your circumstances. Hope will change your attitude about the circumstances. But it will never change the circumstances. Hope will give you a good attitude. But it won't change anything in terms of the circumstances. What hope will do is give you a good attitude while the ship is sinking. While you're going down, you have a good attitude, good positive attitude. But hope won't keep the ship afloat. Faith will. So that's why you need to add your faith to your hope in order to give your hope something eventually that your senses can contact. Jesus said, what things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. Well, it's obvious that you don't have them now, because if you had them now, you wouldn't have to believe you received them. You would know that you had them. So that's in the hope stage. See, I hope to be, or I hope to have, or I hope to do. That's good. But I have to have a way to achieve that. Just having that hope or desire, what things you desire, that's not going to change anything. So I've got to add my faith to it. So the prayer of faith is believing Believing that I have received. I believe that I have it now. That's not hope. That's faith. Now that has to be based on the word. The promise of God. Because God only confirms his word. He doesn't confirm your desires. He doesn't confirm your hope. He doesn't confirm your needs. He doesn't confirm your tears. He doesn't confirm your agony. He doesn't confirm your pain. Now, those things will get his attention. He'll look in your direction. But you've got to have his word for him to move on. 
Amen. Because he only moves at the behest of his word. Now, now, look at this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. First of all, faith is the substance, tangibility, materiality. Then faith is the evidence. Not the thing is the evidence. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, that word seen is kind of a, it's kind of a limited expression. Because when you say seen, you know, usually right away you think of what? Eyes. You think of something visual, don't you? You know, usually that's the connotation that comes up when you, when you read or see the word seen. You think about what you can with these. And so that's limited. Because that's not the only sensory perceptor that you have located in your physical body. So I would like to suggest to you, just for discussion, that instead of using the word seen, because I don't believe that that's what the Holy Spirit intended. I, I know that he didn't, because I know that the Holy Spirit, now this is going to come as a shock to some of you. Don't you fall out of your seats now. You got your seat built on? Okay. All right, I know it's going to be a shock now. But, but I know that the Holy Spirit is smarter than me. I know that's a shock. But he is. And I have enough sense to know that if you left that evidence of things not seen, it would rivet our attention on visible things. So I would like to suggest to you, I don't think that that's what it, what it means. Now, I don't just come up with these things that well, I don't think that. I'm, I'm basing that on the study of God's Word in reference to the entire subject of faith. Okay? And you can't say everything in one word. But I would like to suggest instead of saying seen, Let's say, perceived by the senses. So faith is the evidence, and, 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 and let's stop and qualify, what is evidence? What's evidence? That's really the best definition of evidence is proof. But now that you've said that, what is the purpose of proof? Why would you need proof of something. To validate it. What does that mean? Reassurance. What does that mean? What? Make it real. Thank you. Evidence or proof establishes the existence. Oh, get this now. We're talking about the prayer of faith. What things whoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, things not perceived by the senses. Proof or evidence establishes the existence of something you don't presently have. And validates its existence somewhere, somehow. Why? Simply because you cannot have evidence for something that's non-existent. You can't have evidence for something that doesn't exist, can you? No. So the very fact, all oh, get this, the very fact that it says that faith is the evidence, that means faith is something. That means that faith is something that my senses can eventually contact. Because you can't have evidence or proof of something that doesn't exist. Still here. Okay, watch this now. 
I know for some of you, this is elementary, you already know this, but it's good, it's good to go over it. I love going over it because every time, I, every time I tell you, I tell me, I get to go to church and I get to hear it, and it stimulates my faith, keeps me on top constantly. Because spiritual truths are, are different than academic truths. Because you don't have a demon sitting in the classroom trying to steal your calculus and steal your mathematical equation. He don't care about that. You don't have a demon sitting in there trying to steal your prepositions and your nouns and your interjections and your adjectives. You don't have a demon in there doing that. You're, the demon's not in there trying to, trying to steal the information about when Columbus came or how he discovered America or who discovered America or what. But when it's spiritual truth, that demon's sitting right there, right on your shoulder. When that word comes in, he's doing his best to grab that word so it doesn't get into your spirit, so it will affect and change your life so that you can be the extended hand of God by stretching forth your hand to heal. Now, now faith is the substance of the tangibility, materiality of things hoped for and the evidence or proof of things not perceived by your senses. So, while it's in the faith, evidence, proof, mode, your senses can't touch it. You, you can't contact it. You, you can't contact it. But it's there because faith is its evidence. Now, this is the part that gets to be, in reference even to the prayer of faith, this is the part that gets to be kind of twilight zone-ish. No, serious, because, because it means then, and this is where so many Christians miss it, See, you have so many Christians that are carnal-minded. It, 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 it's not like it's bad. It's just not good enough. See, carnal, that means flesh. Carne. The word carnal comes from carne which means flesh. Have you ever had, have you ever heard the word chili con carne? What does that mean? Chili with meat in it. Because that's what carne is. Meat, fleshly. And so many of you are fleshly oriented. Again, that's not a put down. It's not, it's not bad. In essence, it's just not good enough. That's all. Because we are in the flesh. This is flesh. But if I stay here and let this control direct, then I'll be living below God's standard. Now, faith is the evidence or proof of things not perceived by the senses. So then that tells me in order to walk by faith, I have to leave the realm of the senses. That's scary in the natural. Because that means I have to leave what I can see, what I can smell, what I can taste, what I can touch, and what I can hear. I am, in essence, in the twilight zone. <laughs> if I could use that expression. I'm out past this. This can't help me now. So I like to think of faith as the sixth fence. Not that movie, but this is the real sixth fence. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the movie. Don't misunderstand me. But this is the real. Faith is a sensory perceptor of your recreated human spirit. Just like your body has sensory perceptors to perceive the universe around you, so does your spirit. Faith is what your spirit uses to contact the spirit realm. Now, it says, it says, now faith is the evidence or proof of things not perceived by the senses. So that means I have to leave the realm of the senses in order to walk by faith, in order to get into where God lives. Now watch this. I pointed out you can't have 
evidence or proof of something that doesn't exist. You can't do that. Therefore, if something is the proof or evidence of, whatever it is the proof or evidence of, that thing must exist somewhere. Now, how will you know what your faith is the evidence of if you don't have prior knowledge about what's in that unseen realm so that you can know when it materializes that you have the thing that you believed you received when you pray. In other words, in other words, do, does anybody know, does anybody know what an elephant looks like? All of a sudden, everybody just went, everybody just smiled, almost like saying, what a dumb question, Francis. Yeah, I know what I'm saying. Okay, watch this now. How many of you know what an elephant looks like? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Suppose I told you that all of your life, that animal that you thought was an elephant was really a giraffe. They simply told you that it was an elephant. But in reality, it was a giraffe. What am I saying? Well, the only reason that you say you know what an elephant looks like is because you've grown up all your life looking at an animal that you were first told was an elephant. So who sets up the standard? Why, why is this shirt white? I said it's black. No, no, I'm sorry, it's green. It's a green shirt. All in favor of green? No. What? Somebody told us that. Okay, so when you go now to a store and you want to buy something, or even buy something from a catalog, and you can't even see the entire range of product that's there, they might just have one thing on the page as an illustration of it. Then at the bottom they'll tell you small, medium, large, extra large colors, purple, green, brown, and white. So you order and you pick out white. How are you going to know if you got what you ordered when it arrived by FedEx or UP. No, you had to have prior knowledge of what white looked like so that when white arrived, you would know. They sent me the right one. I ordered white, and that's white. I got white. Now, here we are, finite creatures, interfacing with a spirit being, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who lives in another realm, another world. So in order to get into that world, i got to have faith, because faith is the sensory mechanism that gets me into that world. If I want to get into the world of sound, i got to have ears. Now, I don't know about you, I have never been able to hear with the big toe on my right foot. I've been making serious attempts all my life to do that. I have never been able to hear with the big toe on my right foot. If I want to get into the realm of sound, I have to have ears. If I want to get into the realm of visual, I have to have eyes. Those that do not have eyes, or in other words, their eyes are impaired, whereby they cannot see, then they cannot contact anything in the visible realm. Okay, now, here's God, our Father, who lives in the spirit world. And we use the prayer of faith to extract from the spirit realm into the physical three-dimensional realm, because you've got to remember everything in the physical three-dimensional realm was, first of all, in the spirit realm before God created it. There was a time when there was nothing out there. And God said, let there be. And there wasn't until after God said, let there be. Therefore, whatever is here that we see, smell, taste, touch, and hear was in God in that spirit realm or world before it was ever brought into what we call three-dimensional physical universe. 
Is that right? So God's world is the real world. And this world that we live in is the unreal world. <laughs> What's he talking about? I mean, I'm saying, man. Sure you do. This world is not what it seems to be. It's not what it seems to be. You're sitting in a chair. Most of you have an armrest on your chair. And if you take your, your knuckle or your finger and tap on it, if you tap too hard, it can hurt your knuckle. You, you feel a sensation of pain. And, and it seems like this is solid if you hit it. But that's really not solid. It only appears to be solid. If you were to take that piece of wood and look at it under an electron microscope, you would find out that there are all kinds of spaces in between the molecule that constitute that piece of what we call wood. In fact, if you could extract all the spaces, you could get that wood on the head of a pin. It's called matter, but matter has spaces in between. And so what you think is solid is really not solid. And then, Summertime, month of June, weather's hot, the evening shadows are falling. You look out at the horizon and you see this humongous, gigantic, orange-colored ball at the horizon. Gigantic, huge, great, big thing, orange in color. That's about 6 o'clock in the evening. You go back out at 1 a.m., that ball is no longer there. It's there, and it looked like it 20 times smaller than it was when you saw it over there at the horizon. And when you saw it over there, it was orange. Now it's blue-white. Is that two different celestial bodies? Excuse me? No. Why can you say they're the same? They look different. That's what I mean. See, things are not what they appear. It's the same moon. But when you look at it at the horizon, you're looking at it through more atmosphere. And the atmosphere refracts your vision. Then all the dust particles and all that other stuff, you're looking through much more of it that way than you are when you look that way. So it appears big and orange. So I'm telling you, what we call the real world is really not the real world. The real world is God's world because it was God's world that caused this world to come into existence. So therefore, that world had to exist before this world could exist. Therefore, that's got to be the real world, and God has to be the real person, and we're not. Okay, watch this now. Watch this now. So, it says that, that faith is the proof evidence of things not perceived by the senses. So in order to walk by faith, I've got to leave the realm of the senses. I can't depend upon the senses, but I've got to have some methodology by which I can determine what's in that spirit realm that's invisible to my senses at this particular point in time. When I pray, believe I receive. So I've got to believe that I have something before I ever have it. I got to believe I got it before I get it. Well, I don't make sense. You're absolutely right. It does not make sense because we're not talking about sense now. We're talking about faith. And faith becomes the evidence or the proof of that which I do not see or perceive with my senses. But I got to have some way to know what's out there. Well, here is the inventory list. You have what's called a new covenant. And this new covenant inventories everything that God has in his warehouse in heaven. Prayer is requisitioning the things that are in the warehouse. And in this inventory list is everything. Say everything. Everything. Everything that you will ever need mm -hmm. and everything you could ever desire that is consistent with a godly life. Notice how I qualified that now. Okay? So, I've got to look to this to find out what's out there so that I can know what my faith is evidence of. Well, you say, yeah, that sounds all right, but how do you know the Bible is true? How do you know it's not? 
sticks of one, half a dozen of the other. The only way you will ever know that you know that you know is to activate the system and let it fail. Talking about it's not going to prove it. Talking for it or against it, not going to prove it. You're going to have to do it. And that's what the prayer of faith is about. And that's what Hebrews 11 one is about. So I've got an inventory list of what's out there in that spirit world. Now I use my faith to bring it into my little hot hand. To get it in my possession. So faith is the evidence. Faith is, so faith must be something. Okay, now go to uh, Romans chapter 10. Keep your finger on Hebrews because we'll come back there. I know, like I said, I know that, you know, a lot of this is uh, elementary to you. But all of this is for the purpose of preparing and equipping us to be the extended hand of God in the earth realm. You see, I have to, I have to get me out of whatever it is I'm in before I'll be in position to help you. I have, to, I have to be free myself. And so many of you, and like I said last time last week, and I, I trust that I haven't, I hope I didn't fail in that, but many of you, you have thought that the getting out was the end in itself. Many of you, when you first came to this ministry, you were passionate. You were hot to trot for the word of God like you were panning after a man or a woman. Uh, you can relate to that, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, you were, you, were, you were very missionary in your zeal. I mean, you didn't ever come to church without bringing somebody with you. I mean, you were telling everybody everywhere you went. You were scattered abroad doing the work of God. You found something that gave you hope. You found something that gave you understanding. You found something that was setting you free, and you wanted to tell all your friends about the latest sale you have found, that bargain that you found. Now you're fat and increased with goods. Think you have need of nothing. You have already arrived. So you don't tell anybody anything. In fact, folks don't even know you're Christian. Some of you. How will they hear without a preacher? And you are preachers. We I proved that to you last week with the word. So you've been sitting by here. We got all this great big auditorium. And it ought to be full every week. But it never will be unless you start doing what you're supposed to do. Everybody hasn't heard. We know that because just like we have a, we have a church now in New York City. We, we've advertised in the messenger. We've advertised via television. In fact, every week now just about they make an announcement about the fact that we're there, tell you right where we are. Every single week we go, we run into people don't even know we're there. They don't even know we're in New York. Well, I didn't know you had a church here. We've been there. We've been going there now almost, what? We went, what, like five or April, almost a year, and there's still people that don't know that we are even in town with a church established there. See, so we ought to be careful. Don't think everybody knows. Don't think everybody knows. And so that's why you're here, to get equipped get informed so that you can go be scattered abroad and tell it on the mountain. Tell it on the bus. Tell it at the mall. Tell it, tell it, tell it. Bring someone. Bring someone. Some of you I know when you came here, you came here because somebody else brought you here. Now, you haven't told anybody nothing. You just come for yourself, get your own little stuff, your own little cup full, and you're out of here. And many can't even stay till the game is over. You treat churches like the games. 
like the movies. In fact, not really like the movies, because most of you stay right till, up till the credits start rolling. <laughs> you know, at least you might not look at all the credit, but you, most of you stay. Because they won't even let yourself, they won't even let you in there unless you pay an admission. You don't have to pay an admission to get in here. Did I tell you to turn to Romans? How did I get on that? Okay, Romans chapter 8. The prayer of faith. Jesus said, What things whoever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, proof of things not seen or perceived by the senses. God's word is the inventory list. This is what I base my praying on, my prayer of faith. I base it on what's in the inventory list. Because what's in the inventory list covers everything that I will ever legitimately need and everything that I would ever legitimately desire that is consistent with a godly life. It's in here. There's not one single thing that you can think of that you need. Some sort of a materials, whatever thing that I can't show you in the Bible is listed. <laughs> What? You mean TVs are in the Bible? Absolutely. What? You mean automobiles are in the Bible? Absolutely. You didn't know that? Oh, yeah. Okay, Romans chapter 8. Look at this. Verse... What did I say? Oh, chapter 10. Oh, you are listening. Ah, so. All right. Romans chapter 10... Verse 8, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and quit, because you're out of time. Ooh, saints, I hope you were blessed by episode 4. Yes, we skipped episode 3. This is episode 4. What I want you to take from this is we have different levels of prayer. Apostle Price is teaching on the prayer of faith, which, which is also known as a petition prayer. If you want to hear a shorter version of this, go through my podcast. I taught a lesson about prayer and uh, you will be blessed by that as well. So I think tomorrow we will close this out with episode five and next Saturday I will be teaching on a very important lesson about do you have the testimony of Jesus? And it's important because if you don't have the testimony of Jesus, you're not saved. You're not born again. Most saints, and they mean well, they don't have a clue of what the testimony of Jesus is. Some of you may and may not know you have the testimony, but that is the reason why this is called learning Bible truth. I will teach you truth about the testimony of Jesus and why it is important for you to have it. So until tomorrow and next Saturday, why don't you just go through my podcast and listen to some of those uh, very important messages that I taught on and I also have other messages that the Apostle Price taught on and and his son as well. So, oh, and I want to share this with you guys. I heard you have to be aware of false teachings. You have to be aware of false messiahs. So now there's this female uh, who emerged, who's, who's, who definitely is suffering from mental illness, said that she is um, the reincarnation of the mother of God. She is the reincarnation of Mary and she is the real truth and she is the savior. Uh, please ignore this when you hear it. It's not even worth listening to because there's no truth to it. The canon of scripture is closed. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, not was, is the, the anointed one, is the Christ. There isn't another savior. We don't have to wait on another savior. Jesus is it. The canon of scripture is closed and we can't add to it nor take away from it. So until next time, saints, be blessed and watch out for for what you receive in your spirit. I hope you were enlightened by this message. 
If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message, so don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.